Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 82, recorded the week of June 24th, 2019. Today's segments include what you're working on, general craftiness, sponsored events slash colorful puddles, and where's nomads. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So Erica, what have you been working on this week? This may be the last week that I have been working on my bright orange giant uh, center out rectangular lace shawl out of the alpaca yarn that will be our newest hand dye, um, and that should be out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, this was an eight ounce skein, and there was like a million yards in it, and I'm a little over this project. <laughs> so it's 660 yard eight ounce skein of sport weight, so it's a pretty long weight. It does. Um, I really enjoyed the yarn. I've really enjoyed the pattern. Um, but as I am on a deadline to get this out um, on time for our Kickstarter supporters, um, I've been working on this for a month solid to get it um, to get it finished. And I'm just ready to look at something that's not bright orange. Um, it's a beautiful color. I'm just I'm ready to move on to a different project. And I'm very close. I'm like four rows from the from the bind off. That, that ball of yarn is looking pretty small now. It is. Um, and I am going counter to my nature with this one and not taking it down to the very, very last inch of the yarn. Um, I have been known to play a pretty intense yarn chicken. And when you're designing a pattern for other people to make the same thing with the same yarn, that is not a wise idea because everybody has slightly different gauges. Um, and if somebody is ever so slightly a looser knitter um, or wasn't paying attention and did one extra row or something, um, you don't want people to run out of yarn, especially when uh, they would have to buy an entire another eight ounce ball of it because that's the size that it comes in um, to get the last little bit that they need. So I'm gonna leave a, um, a, a decent sized little ball left over. Uh, and I have some I have some visions of it with with weaving, which I will be talking about here in just a minute. Um, so that has been, I think that's the only thing that I've put a single knitting stitch on in the last two weeks. We did miss last week. You week's. put a lot of knitting stitches on them. I did. Um, I, I can't tell you exactly how large it's going to be because it is done center out. Um, so you start in the middle of the rectangle and every row goes all the way around all four edges of the rectangle. Um, and so once I'm out as far as I am, I think I'm working on a 32 inch cord. Everything is pretty smooshed up on there. So it's difficult to know exactly the finished size, but I am thinking it's gonna be um, probably two and a half feet wide by four and a half feet long that kind of a rectangle. Um, but it will be a bit of a surprise to me when I take it off the needles and block it. Um, it's a pretty big piece. It's pretty sizable. Yep, to see exactly how um, how that's going to work out. So that is the only knitting that I have been doing this week. I have continued to do a tiny bit of embroidery um, that I am enjoying, uh, kind of playing with different stitches and different colors. And um, I'm almost treating it like a doodling project. Uh, I am going to be teaching at our fall retreat at the end of September. I'm going to be teaching an embroidery, like a beginning embroidery um, class. I think that's a good skill to have as a knitter or a crocheter um, to be able to embroider on your pieces. Uh, you just It just opens up a lot of possibilities for design um, and doing color work and, um, and adding some interest in a non-traditional way. Uh, but in order to teach that class, I need to have done a fair amount of embroidery. Uh, so I've just been playing, uh, playing with that. 
that, but I'm not following any specific pattern or doing anything um, super by the books. I'm just read a little bit about doing a stitch and then do that stitch for a bit until I feel like I've got that one down and then move on to another one. Um, we also have a big pack of tiny embroidery hoops for this. Yes. Uh, the, which is super stinking cute. We have started um, ordering and getting in some of the materials for our retreat. Uh, so all of the um, all of the class materials are included this year. Uh, so we ordered forty hoops. Yeah, forty little hoops. Um, Embroider hoops. They're like the little three inch ones. They're adorable. Um, and so I will be uh, designing the specific uh, project that we'll be doing on one of those and have those all ready to go. Um, so that has been a fun project. And then the big thing that I've been doing that's been taking up more time than anything else is weaving. Uh, I am a new weaver. Like I've woven one project ever in my life kind of new weaver. I bought a 24 inch rigid heddle loom like a decade ago. Um, I bought it from a local maker. It's Couch's Little Workshop. It's based in Mooresville, which is not very far from our house and where our shop was. We actually stocked some of his uh, some of his looms on commission in our store um, for a while, but I have never been a good enough weaver to feel very confident in answering people's questions, and so we didn't keep them in stock for very long. Um, I just I don't like to sell people stuff that I don't know how to help them do. Uh, and but he and it's uh, it's a husband wife team that the husband collects the wood and does the does the all the woodworking and things to make the make the looms work and then he and his wife sell them at some local fiber events and things um they both teach a lot of classes as well yes so i've had this loom for uh for quite a while and i warped it up and wove one um one fairly wide like a 20 inch wide piece uh when i first got it um and then i warped it up a second time with a thin cotton um, yarn in all shades of blues and greens to make kind of stripes uh, and then I wove about five inches um, and I stopped for eight years and I didn't do anything with it. Um, and I occasionally saw the loom and thought I would really enjoy doing some weaving. Um, but I knew that the project that I had on the loom wasn't working right. The yarn that I chose was too thin for what I was doing. So it was very, very open um, and it was all cotton. So it didn't have any grip to itself. So it was, it was just, it looked a mess and the edges were a mess. Um, and I just, I couldn't ever bring myself to cut it off the loom and waste it. Uh, but I couldn't bring myself to finish it either. Uh, so I finally just cut it off the loom and I actually... Um, I cut the project, the couple of inches that I had done off, and then I grabbed some 100% cotton that was thicker from my yarn stash that was like a light blue color, um, and I just wove with that. Uh, I have quite a bit of yarn in my stash that I've been knitting and crocheting for like 30 years now, um, and I have a fair, not a, a big stash compared to I know what a lot of people have, but I certainly have a bit of yarn. A lot of it I purchased or was given like 10 or 20 years ago. Um, and I'm just not in the same place with my crafting as I was that long ago. Um, and so I have a lot of yarn that I don't want to get rid of, but I don't really want to use either. Um, and that is what I'm using for my weaving. It's perfect. 
Um, weaving goes much faster than knitting and crocheting does. Um, and so I can use up the yarns that are a decent quality, but just not necessarily something that I like enough to, to put the number of hours in to make a knitted or crochet piece with. Um, so this bl light blue cotton, um, I was mostly using the warped uh, piece that I already had to just practice, um, get back into sort of how a loom worked and, and the basic stuff with that. Um, I finished that up in one evening, like it was one evening's worth of work to cut the project off and then weave the rest of the warp that was on there, which is funny that it stopped me from... <laughs> um, and stopped me from doing it for eight years, and it was like three hours worth of work. Uh, so I did, um, I did finish that piece. It ended up being like four feet long by two feet wide, um, and I gave it to my mother because she liked the way it felt and the colors <laughs> were pretty. Um, and she used it as, as using it as a like a table topper in her um, in her living room. That's called cool. how to be a good minimalist, everyone. <laughs> finish the project, you learn what you can, and then find somebody else who loves it. Um, so I then started on my next big project and I will talk about that in my weaving section later on. And Dave, what have you been working on? Oh goodness, I didn't realize it was going to be me yet. <laughs> I have been dying, dying and dying some more. Um, so I have a couple of colors left of the alpaca to dye, uh, but I've kind of taken a break from that. It's, it's one of those things where we need a large chunk of time for it to set. Um, that's not something we've had the last few weeks. So I decided to do a shorter dyeing project. Um, so our orchard lace is now out on the truck um, in three colors right now, and I'm going to be winding up uh, ready to put out the next three colors this afternoon, and there will be one more after that. So that is a noil silk, um, kind of laced, heavy lace weight to a light fingering weight. Um, it, it's a beautiful yarn. I really enjoy dyeing it. And the noil silk means it's like a nubbly. Um, it's not the super, super smooth silk that you'd normally think of. I actually like the nubbles better. Um, it holds lace and stitches a little bit better. Um, and I like silk worked up as lace. And it gives you a, a different look as well because it's uh, kind of so matte and so bobbly. It's kind of the short fibers of silk um, that they kind of process out of when they're making those really kind of bright, shiny brush silk. Um, so it gives you a different kind of look, a different effect. It takes the dye very differently. So it gives you very desaturated colors. Um, and I've been using this to dye with kind of super brights, um, doing one end of the skein dipped and the other kind of speckled, splattered um, in some very, very highly contrasting colors. Um, so those colors are really wild. Um, I've had really fun, a lot of fun designing those. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that. Um, I've been ordering more yarns. Should we tell them what's coming up? Uh, that's up Extra to you. Teaser. Well, let's just say there's sparkly things and there are tiny, tiny skeins coming. So those will be uh, coming around the corner. I'll talk about those a bit more when they arrive. I think the big box of yarn is due to arrive today or tomorrow. Um, and then uh, we've been out on the truck quite a bit. We went up to... Uh, Kokomo together this weekend, which was a quiet show, but it was it was fun. Um, we had a good day, so uh, it was good to, for me to be out on the truck because I don't get to go out that often. Uh, we've taken the kids around town a little bit. Uh, it's been nice to have. Uh, been working quite out on the truck quite a few days in the last uh, week and a half, uh, a couple more than we normally do, just because we've been trying to fit in um, some smaller events all around. We've had a lot of requests for us to be places, so we've been trying to squeeze those in um, as we're going on vacation in a couple of weeks' time, so we want to get some extra stops in for people. 
Um, and then in my painting studio, I have been working like a crazy lunatic. Um, I have uh, basically two and a half uh, armies due by the end of July, first week of August. So I have been a building and painting fiend every spare second I've had. I have been uh, painting models for people. Um, so I'm working on some really fun uh, fire-themed um, spirit guys who are... Um, I basically base cut them white and then get to play with lots of really bright coloured inks to build up kind of a glowing fire effect on those, which is fun. Is this the one that you're doing the bases, the things they sit on as look, looks like lava? Um, that's another army that's the same kind of theme. So these will have dull bases and brightly coloured guys, and then the other ones have really brightly coloured bases, and then um, the guys will be a bit duller, uh, so they contrast nicely. But yeah, the I, I did some lava bases as well. Uh, for the other army that's kind of its companion, um, and those are, um, yeah, really crazy bright, <laughs> like eyes There's some bright. neat, he put some neat texture on them, so it's like splodges of dried lava, the like black, knobbly, uh, shiny rock bit, and then the rest of them is like a bright yellow and orange um, kind of model. They were I, cool, they look cool. I did a bit of texture alchemy, uh, I took some uh, crackle paint base, um, which is a, it's a kind of medium you can get. It's often used in the home decorating, uh, often for kind of faux distressed looks. It's a, a glaze you paint on, it gives you like, almost like an aged lacquer look, which it crackles and kind of breaks up. So I took that clear base, I added some black ink and some black pigment powder to that to make it a really dark colour. And I added uh, some railway uh, ballast to that, which was already dyed black and dark grey. Um, I have no idea what railway ballast is. Um, so it's the little rocks that you get on railways, um, real full-size railways, that is called ballast. Uh, it's lots of little kind of chunks of, of rock that are kind of stuck in between the rails to stop the, the rails slipping and moving around. But is this like miniature ones this for building This is miniature ones for miniature railways, okay, yeah. got it. Um, I'm like, you didn't have a... Selling lots of different colours. Um, dump truck full of rocks <laughs> delivered to our house. Tiny... Tiny rocks. Um, they're often made from uh, like cork and little bits of wood or, or tiny, tiny stones um, that are, they, they're crushed so they're kind of real square, they look like big crushed rocks. Um, but I mixed that in, um, it was already dyed black and grey to give me this texture paint. I talked long about texture paint, but I meant it. And then we've been uh, in the kitchen this week, uh, I cooked up um, a fantastic Greek feast, which I really enjoyed. And uh, we've been making some more bread as well. Yep, it's nice to have. We do the bread dough that you store in the fridge um, and break off as you want it. And we do a lot of pizzas with that in the summer, uh, summer especially. And Poppy, is the three-and-a-half-year-old, is back to enjoying helping cook. She went through a phase that she was not into that at all. Um, but she and Dave made pizzas uh, for us yesterday. We've used it to make some flatbreads and some breadsticks. And you can even use it to make donuts, so... Pretty useful thing to have around. And we use the Artisan Bread in 5 Minutes a Day book, but the, the master recipe is free on our website, too. That we've mentioned about 20 times. Yeah, this we, really, so good. we really, like, <laughs> they don't, like, sponsor us or anything. They don't know we exist, but we really like their, their stuff. Okay, and Erica, on to your general crafting list this week. So, I am not, I'm not ready to commit to naming a segment for weaving, because we'll see if I actually keep <laughs> weaving long enough for that to be a thing. Um... But I'm going to be talking about weaving. Uh, I've already talked about weaving quite a bit. But I have started 
a gigantic weaving project, I don't tend to do things by half. I commit when I decide I want to do something. I jump in with both feet and my whole body. Um, and I decided that as I had not woven in eight years and only woven one project before, uh, before that, I would warp my 24 inch loom. I would warp all 24 inches of it. So even though you have a, a 24 inch loom, you don't have to warp 24. I mean, you can knit or you can, you can warp up three inches of it, um, to, to do a narrower piece. Uh, but of course I didn't do that. I did the whole thing across. That's, uh, I think it's about 300 warp threads across that. Um, and I feel like my math is wrong on that. I think I have an eight dent heddle, which means there's eight strings per inch. So what's eight times 24? I can cut out the pause so you don't know how long it takes Dave to do this math. I wasn't expecting it, 184? Okay, so yeah, in the neighborhood of 200 strings. So about uh, 200 warp threads uh, across to get the full width of it, uh, which is a bit of a commitment. Uh, and then I also made it like 17 feet long which is a longer weaving piece than you would generally do. I wasn't so much thinking through exactly how long I was making it. Uh, I set the loom in one doorway and I set the warping peg in on the other side, like in the other doorway. And our rooms are, are about 17 feet across. So uh, it is a very, very long piece of fabric and it's quite wide. Um, and I was just doing this again for practice. Um, I hadn't warped a loom in a very long time. And warping the loom just means putting the long strings through the holes um, to go across. So the weft is when you're going back and forth um, with your um, with your yarn and the warp is the long strings that go um, that go long ways. Um, and I, I did watch a couple of videos uh, about warping and so I did do something called direct warping uh, which means I, I clamped the loom down um, on, in, in, on one side of the room um, and then I put what's called a warping peg which just means a stick that, that is secured um, generally on the edge of a table. Um, on the other side of the room. You put them as far apart as you want your project to be long, um, plus a, a couple of inches, like six inches per side, because you have the kind of the fringe and how it's tied on. Um, uh, this is otherwise known as the entire length of the dining room. <laughs> yeah, that, and, it, and nobody can walk in the dining room for the like three hours that it took me to, to do this. Uh, as a frame of reference, the dining room is in the middle of our house. It's the only way of accessing between <laughs> the, the, the bathroom and the, the <laughs> upstairs. I did a lot of crawling on the floor. <laughs> um, anyway, I uh, so to do this direct warping style, and the the alternative to direct warping is you would cut all of your warp strings, um, not connected to your loom in any way, and then you would thread them through individually. Um, but the direct warping, what you do is you leave your ball of yarn that you're, you are using to warp, um, you leave that in front of the loom, um, and you pull a loop. So you have two strings um, as you, you're pulling a loop 
through the slot of the heddle. So there's an, it alternates on a heddle um, of, a, of a loom. There's one slot and then there's one hole and then there's one slot and then there's one hole. Um, so you pull two strands, the, the loop of yarn through the slot and you pull it all the way across the room and you put it on the warping peg. Um, and then you walk back to your loom and you do the same thing again. You pull up a loop of your yarn um, from the ball that's still sitting in the same spot in front of your loom. You pull that through the slot and you have, so you have two strands going through there and you pull that loop all the way across the room and put it over your warping peg. And you do that 200 times. <laughs> Um, I walked back and forth a lot, and this also used much more yarn than I was expecting. Um, so I had a plan. Um, I had basically two balls of yarn, one I was going to use for the, uh, for the warp and one I was going to use for the weft. Well, that's a lot of fabric, and it used more yarn than I was expecting. Um, I hadn't thought all the way through this. Uh, so I could tell pretty quickly that the one ball that I had picked out uh, was not going to be enough. So what I, uh, what I kind of did is I did a little bit. I think I did about 20 uh, strands through on one side of the weft. So I started from on the right-hand side, and I pulled about 20 strands through. And then I looked at my ball, and I thought, well, there's no way this is going to be enough to go all the way across. So... I stopped pulling through on the right side and I went over and I pulled 20 strands through the 20 slots on the far left side. So I created two stripes, like two and a half inch um, wide stripes, one on the far right and one on the far left. And then I went back to my stash and I grabbed another color of yarn that I thought would look nice with this one. So I started with yellow and the next one I grabbed was green. Light I think. green? Yeah. Um, and I kind of did the same thing. I pulled through until I got a bit bored of pulling through with that color on the right-hand side. And then I went over and I pulled through the exact same number of strands on the left side. So I made a narrower stripe. Um, and I wasn't using all of the yarn uh, to do these stripes. I was just going until it felt like the, the right width of the stripe that I wanted. And then I went and found another ball of yarn. Um, and I ended up using six balls of yarn. <laughs> A couple of those were not full balls. A couple of them were, like I had knit one project out of the ball of yarn and this was just what was left. Um, and so I have six different colored uh, stripes and some of them I, I did multiple stripes with. So I think I've got about 12 stripes that go across. Um, some of them you have a color is just one stripe. Some of them you have the color is two or three stripes. Imagine in pattern kind of like a, a 70s deck chair. Strike. Yeah, that's that is a very good description, um, and I like seventies deck chairs. Um, so once I finally got all of that done, um, it was three hours later, and it was time for me to go to work. And so I tied the ends closest. So it's it's two hundred strands of yarn stretching from one side of the dining room to the other side of the dining room. Um, so I went over to the side that had the warping peg on it. Um, and I took some some spare yarn and I tied this huge bundle of 200 strings. Um, I tied it all together um, and I, I wrapped it around a couple of times so it was really well secured. And these these warp threads are under some tension because they're they're stretching across, but they're not like super, super tightly um, tightly pulled on there. So then I popped it off the warping peg and I carefully gathered them all up. Um, and moved the loom into a room that children are not allowed to go in, um, and I called it a day for that project. 
Um, it took longer than I was anticipating, so I didn't get a chance to finish the warping until the next day. Um, but then when I, to, to finish that warping, I put the loom on one side of the table, I put the um, the end that I had tied together sort of hanging off the end of the table and just the weight of the yarn, the 200 chains of yarn all tied together was enough to keep that under some tension. Um, and then you just kind of roll it through. You, you roll um, on a loom, you're, you're cranking uh, to, to wind up all of the extra yarn and you put some paper in there to keep everything uh, pulled nice and tight, but I rolled it all the way through. So it was, it pulled everything through until you're only, you've only got about 12 inches of yarn left um, that, and these are just pulled through the slots. There's nothing in any of the holes all the way across. And then what you do is you turn your loom around the other way and you pull one of the strands out of the slot and you thread it through the hole next to it. Um, and you do that all the way across. So you do that for 100 strings. So 100 strings are still in the slot and now there's 100 strings, one in each hole. Um, and then you tie the strings onto the, the back part of your loom to keep those under tension as well. Um, and this took another hour to, to, to do this project. And then you're ready to weave. Um, I grabbed another, I thought since the warp was so busy with all the different colors and they're all slightly different textures, all of the yarn that I was grabbing is 100% wool, um, but it's all different breeds and it's spun differently um, and things like that. So uh, I thought since my warp was so visually busy, um, I would make my weft all one color. I wasn't going to do stripes um, or like a variegated yarn on that because I thought that would turn um, a busy project into a sort of a clown puke project. Um, and I, um, I chose just a white. I happened to have spun up, uh, when I was a fairly new spinner, um, a blend of Cormo sheep wool and alpaca. I had spun up and it was like an entire fleece worth. I just had a giant, I had like three giant balls of this white yarn and I prepped it myself, meaning I bought the bag where they, they had shorn the sheep and the alpaca and put it into a bag. And then I took that bag home and I washed it in the bathtub um, and hand carded it and spun it. So it was very lumpy bumpy yarn. So Rustic, I think <laughs> is what you could say. Um, it was not particularly well prepped and it was not, I was not a particularly advanced spinner at that time. Um, and so this was very much the kind of yarn that I have a lot of. of I'm too sentimental about it to get rid of the yarn. Um, plus I'm not sure if very many other people would have wanted it either. Uh, but I didn't really want to use it for anything. So that is what I'm using for the weft on this project, the, the part that goes back and forth. And I'm just doing a totally plain weave where you pull your head all up and you put your, your weft or your yarn across, you put the head all down and you pull the yarn across, um, just back and forth. Uh, and I have woven, as of the recording of this podcast, I've woven about six feet. Um, I am putting markers every six inches so that I know um, how much is on my, um, how much I have finished weaving to kind of mark my progress. Um, also to make sure I'm not going to run out of, uh, if I'm going to run out of weft yarn before I get to the end, I at least know that it's coming um, rather than really having no idea where I am in the weaving project. I saw that on a video and I thought it was very useful and I've been pleased that I've done it. Uh, so I'm, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it a lot and I have no idea what this will be when it grows up. Um, I'm thinking I might cut it in half, 
Um, so have six or seven feet length and then stitch the two sides together so it's four feet wide. Um, and then find somebody to give it to because <laughs> I don't have a need in my life for that kind of fabric. Um, but we'll see. All right, that was me talking forever. Dave, why don't you take us through our sponsored event and splash in some colorful puddles at the same time? Okay, well, I'm going to make sure I'll wipe my feet before I go into any of the buildings at the facility that we have rented uh, so we get our deposit back. <laughs> we are uh, hosting our fifth annual fall retreat and we would love you to come along. So this is going to be 28th and 29th of September this year. I know we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but this is our final reminder that it is one week and you have until July 1st to register for an early bird discount, so $25 off registration. So we thought we'd give you a little bit more retreat information and encourage you, if you'd like to come along, save 25 bucks. Um, and the retreat sign-up will still be open um, well into September. This is just your last chance uh, to get the early bird discount. Um, and the retreat this year is all-inclusive. So it includes your accommodation in the cabins at Jameson Camp, which are beautiful cabins. They're, um, they're very nicely kind of set up to look like log cabins. Uh, they're uh, heated and cooled. Um, they are bunk rooms, but they're pretty small. Um, they hold, I think, a maximum of six people. Uh, so you can just kind of make sure you are in with a couple of friends. Um, and or make new friends. Or you, don't make new friends. you don't have to bring friends with you. You can make friends there. Well, hopefully they're your friends by the time it's gone. time to go to bed. Um, we have a fantastic fireplace in the main room of the lodge, which is the main building we'll be renting. Um, and you have the use of the outside space there, the beautiful woodland camp. There's a lot of trails to walk through. There's uh, kind of outside picnic tables you can sit out and knit, which is very popular last year. Also shaded trees to sit under, and there's a big uh, porch on the front of the, um, of the lodge that we can kind of sit out and use. We use that as our welcome area as well. So that's a fantastic facility. Uh, what are we doing? Well, we're doing all kinds of things, uh, and here's where the Colourful Puddles comes in. I will be teaching two dye classes. Um, one is uh, for dyeing yarn, and then the second one is going to be dyeing fabric. I'm going to be teaching the uh, silk scarf drip dyeing uh, class for this uh, retreat. It's fun, it's fast, uh, everyone will get to take away a beautiful silk scarf. Um, I will be teaching this another couple of places as well, but it's included in the retreat package, including all your materials. Um, and I'll also be teaching a dyeing uh, technique for yarn. And I'm actually going to give everyone a couple of options of what we're going to do. So stay tuned to our Facebook page and probably our Instagram as well, as I think Eric is going to be helping me with the posts. Um, we're going to be doing a poll about which dyeing technique uh, you guys think we should be teaching at the retreat. And then there's one more colorful puddle thing as well. Um, every year I dye a, a specific colorway um, of my yarn for uh, the retreat. And this year we've decided to go a little bit further and get in a base that we've not worked with before. So this may be the only time we do this base. Um, it may just be a special for the retreat, but this is not one I've picked up before. And we always try and pick something unusual for our bases. So. I got Erica to help me with what she thought we should get, and I chose something fairly um, fun and unusual, and something that's perhaps going to be uh, something that's a little bit on trend right now. Um, 
So I went and uh, looked at a slightly different site than I normally get my uh, bases from, just because I like to get a little bit of variety of where I get my materials. And picked up a Blueface Lester uh, sock with Donegal. Um, so Blueface Lester is a sheep breed, so it's a wool uh, a wool yarn. Uh, but the the BFL is um, it's going to be a slightly harder wearing uh, fiber, which I think works particularly well for socks. Yeah, it's a slightly thicker yarn, uh, slightly thicker uh, coarser fiber than merino, but not significantly. It's still one of the it's still uh, one of the soft. You still one of the softer sheep breeds. Yeah, you it's, can still make a scarf with it, and it wouldn't be an itchy project. Uh, it's a traditional British breed. It's very popular with spinners, um, and it's becoming very popular as a garment yarn, just because it's you get close to the softness of merino, but it wears better. Um, so I picked up some of that. I'm not sure how many of our retreat goers will have worked with 100% uh, BFL before, um, or very close. Um, and then uh, this also includes the Donegal. Uh, so that uh, Donegal is those little kind of spots and specks. Um, it's often produced out of uh, dyed kind of waste fiber. Um, and that's what makes tweed. Um, Donegal tweed is the Donegal is those little kind of specks and, and spots. Um, and those are in various shades of greys and neutrals. So when I dye this up, it's going to give us some really interesting ideas of, of what it looks like. Um, I'm only going to be producing enough skeins of this for people at the retreat. So everyone who is coming will get a skein in their goodie bag. And then the rest of the skeins, if there are any left, um, if we don't fill up to our maximum capacity, will be for sale um, and given away at the retreat. And they, it will not be coming again in this particular colorway. Um, and then I'll let you know uh, what people think of it. Um, so what else have we got going on at the retreat? Well, we are going to be um, doing some really fun and interesting other classes. Erica's mentioned she's going to be teaching embroidery. Um, so embroidery for knitters and crocheters is going to be included in the retreat this year. Um, and then I'm going to be teaching another class and I'm hoping to get some of my own fiber dyed for this in time. Um, I have some fiber uh, currently in my studio ready to go. Um, so we'll be producing little mini succulents um, in tiny little flower pots. Um, that will be succulents felted. like cactuses, little felted cact cactuses. What are, the, what are the succulents, are they? Well, that's not a word that everybody is going to know <laughs> delicious, what it means. Delicious steaks. <laughs> um. Sometimes words that are more common in England are less common in the U.S., and it's not always easy for me to tell when that is true. So that's a word that I don't hear all the time. I wanted to make sure that people knew what it meant. We're going to make happy little cactuses um, in uh, little kind of, I'll probably pick up terracotta pots uh, to put these in. So I have a cute little ornament to take home using needle felting. So I'm hoping to be able to do this with my own dyed fiber. Um, and in lots of cactusy colors. In lots of cactusy colors. I actually have uh, some a beautiful kind of slightly variegated uh, medium wool. It's a cream to a grey colour. Uh, so we'll get some really interesting fibre once I've dyed that. And uh, you got the fibre from the Ohio Valley Fibre Mill at the last fibre event that we were at. So it's a locally produced, um, it, it is milled uh, just in the next state over. Yeah, so that's, uh, and Ohio Valley is basically the closest uh, fiber mill to us. Um, so yeah, we are also uh, working with them on another project. So we'll 
We'll be talking about that more once we get, kind of get hush, a little bit closer. Hush, hush right now. Um, and then finally, we're going to be doing a guided yarn tasting. Um, and this will be talking about uh, dye styles as well. We haven't quite decided what yarns we're going to use, but we may decide to pick um, some yarns that I've dyed um, to do the, the uh, tasting as well. So that will be kind of a how yarn works a little bit. We'll talk about different thicknesses of yarn um, and sort of why they're called what they're called and how you uh, determine what they're called and what needle sizes and crochet hooks working with different thickness yarn, uh, what effects you get with that. Uh, different fibers, uh, sort of plant fiber versus animal fiber versus synthetics, um, how those are going to affect what you're, what you're making and how it drapes and how it holds lace and patterns and all kinds of things like that. Um, and then different dye, uh, dye techniques as well. Uh, kettle dyed versus tweeds versus self-striping versus variegated versus speckles, um, kind of what those are going to look like. So theoretically, when you look at a skein of yarn in the skein, you can uh, maybe project out a little bit better of what that's going to look like when you knit or crochet it up. And I'm not volunteering to dye any self-striping any time in the future. <laughs> yeah, Dave doesn't. It, it takes a lot of specialized equipment and a lot of time um, to, to dye self-striping. Yeah, specialized equipment or time. Um, and yeah, it's, it's maybe, not in, his maybe in, in the future. <laughs> to dye self-striping. He likes to work with self-striping yarn. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of dyeing that. It takes a while. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are with the classes. And then... You'll get a full nomad experience. Um, we will be producing all kinds of other fun things. So we have some great ideas for some new um, kind of nomad notions and maybe even some printed bags um, that we'll be adding to the goodie bag for the retreat. So you get a really uh, bumper uh, goodie bag uh, when you come along of some really exciting new stuff. Um, also the uh, hand dyes that I plan to release in the kind of late September, October period will be available for people out of the retreat first. So there's lots of um, kind of cool nomad things that will be exclusive or new and you'll get them first if you come along. And then we love food. So there's going to be some really cool food. Um, we always make sure that everything we get is sourced as locally as possible and is either uh, produced by us um, or we get from local restaurants. Um, so we'll have some really interesting food. Last year we did uh, Indian uh, curry in the evening. What else did we cook? We did breakfast uh, sandwich bar. Fancy uh, build your own ramen. Oh yeah, build your own ramen. That was fun. Um, so you get a real mix and everyone is always stuffed by the time they leave. So, And we do, if you do sign up for the retreat, we do send out a questionnaire to make sure that we can accommodate your dietary restrictions. So we have had uh, vegetarians and vegans in the past. We have no trouble uh, doing, uh, doing that. And then if you have any food allergies, um, we will make sure that we plan a menu that is going to work for everybody. Uh, we also do not do over spicy things. So if you hear curry and think you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be able to eat it. We make sure that we don't make anything uh, very spicy. We have hot sauce if you prefer to add it. Yeah, that's one advantage of us uh, doing and organizing the catering um, for the retreat is you get a really good food experience. So uh, yeah, we'll make sure everyone's accommodated for that. And I'm very good at food allergies because our kid has, has several. Yes. <laughs> so we're kind of a no-nut, no-egg household for the most part anyway. 
Um, so yeah, we have uh, lots of cool things coming up, but several of our regulars who've been to the retreat before uh, will be coming along again. Uh, they've already signed up or told us they're uh, going to be doing so before that uh, July 1st spot. Um, and they they really make it a great time too. So we have some, we know we already have some really great people coming and I'm sure everyone else who turns up will be great fun too. It's good to sit and relax. We can have a roaring fire if it's um, cold as well. Um, if it's warm, it's it's wonderful to walk in the fall foliage through the woods and see all the colour changing leaves. Um, and you see a lot of uh, kind of birds and squirrels and stuff out there. Um, really makes you feel like you're well away from um, civilization, even though you're only kind of five minutes from uh, 40 and about kind of 10 minutes in downtown Indianapolis. Um, and this is held at Camp Jamison, Camp Jamison, which is basically at US 40, which is Washington Street. In 465, so it is not very far. It's got good um, interstate access, and it's not very far from from downtown Indianapolis. So we're we're pretty accessible. So if you want to come along and join us to the retreat, we would love to have you. Um, so check it out at store.nomadyarnshop.com uh, to book your tickets, and then a day or two after you uh, submit those, we just send out a, a Google form to fill in for your contact details. Um, and uh, any food restrictions and all, you're all set. We send out an information pack later in the summer, uh, which will let you know everything from directions to uh, full information about all of your classes, uh, things that we recommend to bring um, and any other little extra bonuses that we're gonna give you, which normally we squeeze something in there. Yep, and we will be putting out our um, sort of exact schedule of when all the classes are and all of that stuff as we get a little bit closer as well. So you'll know exactly what to expect. Okay, so yeah, come along to the retreat, we'd love to see you. And then the last thing we need to do is... Where's Nomads? Where are we going to be on the truck um, until we go on vacation? It is our first vacation in nine years since the shop opened, as we were open six days a week as a brick-and-mortar shop. Um, but we could never go anywhere. <laughs> We've been, uh, we, we did go to Mexico once, and we've been to the UK a couple of times, but it's our first vacation in probably three years Um and uh, this is one that we picked. So, <laughs> um, so today, um, I don't know what time Eric will get this podcast out, but we will be at Cup and Kettle in uh, Bloomington. Um, it's a great little uh, specialty tea shop uh, in downtown Bloomington. So we'll be there four till seven. Um, and Eric will be teaching um, a felt mug Cozy yep. mug sweater uh, class. And that's free as long as you buy yourself a coffee uh, or a tea. So it could be worse things. Um, and we will be holding that inside Cup and Kettle. Yeah, um, not in the truck, inside Cup right. and Kettle. So you'll have plenty of space to spread out. Uh, and I will have wool, uh, felted wool pieces so you can choose the color for the body of it. Um, I will have some silk scraps as well and some buttons, um, needle and thread, and a snap press. Uh, so these will be snap-on uh, it's like the, the cardboard sleeves that slide over your coffee mug, but we're making ours out of wool. Um, so it's more insulating than the cardboard um, and you can reuse it. Um, so I put up a picture a couple of days ago of a one with a, like an applique wool and silk uh, flower on it with a, with a big contrast color button in the middle. They're really um, stinking cute. They are cute and they go <laughs> fast. It's an instant gratification kind of a thing. I mean, in 45 minutes or less, um, you can you can get one of these and it's, they're fun. And then tomorrow, uh, June tw June twenty fifth, 
forgot what I wanted was for a second, uh, will be at the Farmer's Market in Avon. Uh, so that'll be our first time at that Farmer's Market. Um, and that is right on US 36, right in the middle of uh, Avon. So that's a really good one. It's a decent sized market. There's some really interesting things there. I'm sure Eric is already looking forward to the bubble tea that was there last year. Um, then on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, we'll be in Binford for the farmer's market there. And that's a big market. I think it's a, a hundred or so vendors um, just on the near north side of Indianapolis. Uh, so we're enjoying that. Uh, we're looking forward to that one. We hope we enjoy it. It's our first time at that one too. Then on Monday is our regular uh, Terre Haute day. Um, we're shaking it up a little bit here. We're going to be only doing um, the stop at M Moggers. Um, downtown. We're not going to be doing a regular at St. Mary in the Woods anymore. Um, we love being there, but we just, we don't see as many people. It's it's a bit of a trip um, out of Terre Haute uh, for people, and they'd rather come and see us in the evening. We're closer to home. And we will be doing events um, at St. Mary's throughout the year when they have some of their big events that they are holding. Um, it just, it's not uh, working for our customers to be there every month. So we're not going anymore. Yeah, so we hope to still be working with them. We hope to run some classes and stuff there in the future, um, but that won't be our regular stop anymore. Um, and then Greencastle on Wednesday, um, that's July 3rd. Um, again, we'll be shaking it up a little bit. Um, we're going to move uh, Myers Market a little bit later in the day, and then we'll still be at Vassa Brewing in the evening. We're going to be skipping um, on the square there. Again, just we're, we're not seeing people in certain locations, so we just shake it up a little bit. But we will be in town that day and regularly in Greencastle every month. Then July 4th, uh, Thursday, we will be at Ashenhelm Elm uh, Needhammer Coffee um, for their uh, 4th of July uh, extravaganza. And that's in downtown Indianapolis. Yep, right downtown Indianapolis, a uh, very kind of east side of downtown. Uh, that's it's a great like location. a mile from the from circle from the, the circle um, in downtown, and it's right on Washington Street. And they plan to have some other vendors, food trucks. Uh, they have a concert venue upstairs at their event too. Um, so that should be really fun. Then uh, the Friday the 5th is first Friday. We have not got anything booked for sure yet, but you'll expect to see us somewhere. We're going to try and be somewhere every first Friday. So stay tuned for that. And then Saturday the 6th, um, we will be at Courthouse Grounds in Danville for their uh, Danville Farmer's Market will be just across the street from us. So we're gonna be there again. Um, that was really good fun last time. So come and see us there. And then Monday the 8th, we are heading on vacation for a week. So uh, we won't be anywhere with the truck. <laughs> the truck will be sat cooling down <laughs> from, its, uh, from its large number of voyages the week before. So we will see you between now and July 6th. And then we'll be Taking a break, you'll have to catch up with us after we come back from vacation. All right, we'll talk next time. Okay, speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchup.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.